Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello, and welcome back to Ayers on the Road. We're always happy to be with you. And we always start off for some reason with a comment on the weather. (laughs) (laughs) So Linda's been in Hawaii for a week with her sister, And I've been here in Utah, and it's been beautiful and sunny. And Linda came back yesterday, and guess what happened to the weather? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had a lot of sun last week, which was wonderful. So I can stand it. And we're just happy because we are in Utah right now, and the fear of flooding is great around here. So it cooled off, and that's awesome. Yeah, that's a good – that is really a good thing that it's cooled off a little. So the snow will melt a little slower. and. Linda, we have got so much enthusiasm today because it's the first week of the month. And on the first week of the month, whatever we've been doing on ours on the road, we shift over and talk about three generation families, (laughs) grandparents, parents teaming up effectively to really do a good job to give the most maximum benefit to the third generation of our grandchildren. But today <laughs> we have something exciting. Drum roll, else. drum roll. There's a fourth generation. Wow, our first great grandbaby was just born this week. We are so excited about it. Um, this is a couple that are living in Provo right now, and they have their first little baby, and we are so excited. Oh, wait, are we allowed to tell this? Um Yes, I think we're allowed to tell this. They have announced it, but maybe not names. Maybe we won't say any (laughs) more, just in case. I was going to give you all the details there, but boy, one thing you've got to learn as a grandparent is to zip it. (laughs) Zip it and wait for other people to do the big reveal. The kids are all writing to, uh, (laughs) to grandfather like, do not put this on Instagram until you get Wait, located. they're writing it to me? Yes. Because they think you're better at holding things secret than I am? Yes. Oh, boy. Yes, they do. Little do they know. You have to admit that. Anyway. Well, anyway, we are really, I mean, for that reason alone, we are so excited about four-generation families. But let's talk three-generation families. And we're we're excited because on, on Tuesday, we're going to be in Houston addressing a really interesting group, a small group, but a very interesting one, 32 CEOs. They're all senior CEOs of companies, and they're all grandparents. And think how enlightened a society we're living in, where we're coming in as guest speakers, not to talk about life balance or time management or setting goals or man, any other thing like that. We're coming in to talk about families, about three generation families, about how to be an effective, proactive grandparent. It really is going to be fun to speak to these people because they have been part of an organization for a long time that have high powered CEOs of their own companies. Uh, They um, actually, since they were young, but in the past has been they have to move on after they're 450, I guess. Yeah, 50, that's right. 50, so- they have to move on. But now they've got a new, a whole new thing that they're calling YPO gold. The gold and people get to have even more fun. So 
So, so you guys, you listeners to Ayers on the Road are going to get a sneak preview of what we're going to talk about there. And in fact, we've got on our screen the, the, the PowerPoint we're going to use with them, and you're not going to be able to see it, but we're going to walk you through what we think are some of the, the key things we're learning in this process of three-generation families and how to be an effective grandparent and if you're a parent, how to how to recruit the help of your parents in raising your children without a situation where they're stepping on your toes or where grandparents are being too aggressive and where grandparents are remembering that it's the parents who have the stewardship. And we're going to try to train some of these CEOs on Tuesday that in their role in their three-generation family, they need to step back from their usual mode of operation because these are all high-powered managers. And we're trying to convince them in your family now, you're not the manager anymore. You were as a parent, but you're now the consultant coming in, helping the managers. And the managers are your children who are the stewards over your grandchildren. Right. And we are kind of excited about this because We've been in this era for quite a while, yeah. um, and it's so fun to share some of the things that we've learned. Our grandchildren are from 25 years old to uh, one that's not quite two, 19 months. And so um, we... Have so we didn't have too long of a little gap we between didn't have a gap, the yeah. third and fourth generation. But it really is so fun to um, to have all different ages. We have... 17 and 17, 17 girls, 17 boys, grandchildren, oh, which man. is really weird. How did that happen? But anyway, if there have... happens to be one more as a surprise to us, it would be wonderful, but it would destroy that perfect it, oh, symmetry. That would be so that would be so awful. <laughs> but um, it really is so exciting because we have we always say 34 one of every kind. And we yeah. have one of every kind, and that's the deal because we're working with so many different personalities yeah. as grandparents. So as we launch into this with energy and excitement, we want you to know that we're learning along with you. We're all in this together, and a lot of what we're going to talk about in the next few minutes is things we've learned from other grandparents, watching them, learning from them, getting feedback from them. We've had this grandparenting course now that we've been I, I was going to say leading, we're actually just sort of facilitating it. It's grandparents who know a lot, talking, giving us ideas and so on. And we've had about a thousand of them involved. And so we've learned some things and we want to pass them on to you today. So let's talk about the generations one at a time. First of all, generation one, that's you if you're a grandparent. Here's the thing. We need to decide to prioritize this role. So <clears throat> the way we prioritize it is that we realize, first of all, this brings us so much joy. It is amazing. I mean, especially for grandparents, because when the kids get kind of naughty or out of hand, you can just give them back. <laughs> in most cases, kudos to those of you who take care of your grandchildren almost full time. But, but we want you to understand, I mean, this is our perspective now based on a lot of talks with a lot of grandparents. The three things that ought to motivate us as generation one in these three generation families, 
the joy that it brings us and that we have the power to give to others, the legacy that we're going to leave, your legacy is basically your grandchildren. You're, it's not a bridge named after you or a building or the money you leave or whatever. It's it's those grandchildren. That's our legacy. And of course, the biggest one of love. So three reasons for being a good grandparent, joy, legacy, and love. And let me go back to legacy for a moment because, you know, sometimes as grandparents, we think, oh, you know, how should I divide up my stuff and what should I give, you know, to whom and who gets what and all that and actually, the legacy we want to leave is not about money or possessions, but it's about what we believe in, what we love, and passing that on to our kids and and what we appreciate about them. That is our legacy, how much we love them. Now, the next thing we want these grandparents that we're going to be speaking to to think about is generation two, the parents the ones in the middle, the ones in between the grandparent and the children. And the main challenge for a grandparent, especially an active one like these CEOs we're going to be talking to, the main admonition is accept the fact that you're now in a backup role. You're not the guy. You're not the star. You're not the center. You're not the originator. You're you're the backup. And so three things we're going to try to stress. Number one, the stewardship of these children belongs to the parents. Number two, you as a grandparent have to transition from being a manager to being a consultant. And number three, we're going to give them a questionnaire that helps them to have discussions with the parents where they're asking the questions. The grandparents are saying, how's Johnny doing physically? Tell us all you can so we'll know. How's he doing socially? How's he doing mentally? How's he doing emotionally? How's he doing spiritually? Be the sponge as the grandparents. Soak that up. Learn all you can from the parents so that you're on the same page and so that they have the feeling they're directing you as their helper in raising these children, not the other way around. Exactly. Uh, you know, it, it is a big transition <clears throat> because we're so used to telling kids what to do and then hoping that they do and then they don't and just working that out. And in this case, it's just entirely different. Don't you think, Linda, the two fastest way to ways to undermine a three-generation family, if you're a grandparent, the two fastest ways to mess up that three-generation family Number one is to just abdicate and just sort of say, I'm done. I did my thing. I raised you. Now you raise the kids. I'm off to play golf or live in Sun City. And I don't I don't want anything to do with the, the kids. I mean, that sounds awful, but there are some grandparents who back off way too much. But the other thing you can do to kill it is to come on too strong. Step on the parents' toes. Tell them what they're doing wrong. Say, hey, look, I'm experienced. You're doing your parenting wrong. This kid needs that. You're not giving it to him. You fit into that role, you will create a, a, a schism that will be very hard to heal. And you probably know parents in both of those, grandparents in both of those situations. We had a young couple who came to us once. I remember in Denver, Colorado, I was outside of a ski resort. And I, this young family said, uh, this young couple said, tell us how to get our parents involved. Our teenagers are really out of control right now. And I think they could really help us with it, but they don't want to be involved. Right. They want to do their own thing. They don't want their problems. 
And um, they think, you know, they're, they're just, they don't know our kids. How can we get involved? And we have, we have some suggestions for, first of all, send out questionnaires. How much do you want to be involved and how much do you want us to be involved? And I think if you get that juice going, you know, like, okay, maybe we better think about this, you know, it makes a big difference. Absolutely. And for, and, and just, I, I remember that very thing you're talking about, Linda, that couple saying, how oh, we just give anything to get our parents more involved with our kids. But we've had other couples come up and say, Hey, can you tell us how to get our parents to beg off and not try to do everything well, for it- us? And Quit flooding them with gifts all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. We just get a little financial system all set up in our family. And then they just come and dump money on them because, and, and as grandparents, we know that's part of our joy is being able to give grandchildren things, but gosh, you really need, we need to think about that carefully. So the key thing between generation one, the grandparents and generation two, the parents is to have regular meetings. And we often tell grandparents, take, Take your take your children, the parents, take them out to dinner once a month or once every couple of months and just talk about nothing but the kids. Just ask them these five facets. How's each one doing physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, spiritually? Take notes, write it down, figure out what those kids need and how you can team up in order to get there. And then moving to generation three, We've created a new little, um, I don't know, I guess it's a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a three, it's a four letter word. What do you call a word when you, when you form a word that also. <laughs> we should have talked about that before we started. <laughs> anyway, we're, we're <laughs> you know what we mean. <laughs> we're, we, we're, we're calling this generation three being the team T E A M. So our advice to grandparents is you want to you want to think of yourself as three things. You want to think of yourself as the trunk, you want to think of yourself as the ear, you want to think of yourself as the assembler, and you want to think of yourself as the match. T E A M, trunk, ear, assembler, match. And and we hope that these grandparents tomorrow are going to say, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then we're going to explain it. So let's let's explain it to you one at a time, but let's take a break first. And when we come back, we're going to tell you what we mean by a grandparent being a trunk, what we mean by... And being an ear. What we mean by being an assembler. And being the match. So hang on. We'll be right back. Hang on. Find out what those four things mean. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back talking about grandparenting today. And the fun thing that we are, the trunk, the ear, the assembler, the match. Now, before we tell you what those weird four words mean, T-E-A-M, the team approach, and keep in mind, the reason we wanted that to form the word team is because this is a team effort, trying to team up as grandparents and parents to really give these children the best thing we can give them. And so... 
let's talk. And now, again, we're talking to you grandparents this second half on how to be a trunk, how to be an ear, how to be an assembler, how to be a match. But if you're a parent listening today, send your parents to grandparenting101.com and they can get involved in some of the things we're talking about today online. So, Linda, you get the honor to tell all these grandparents what it means to be the trunk. Well, this has been kind of fascinating to us uh, because for a long time, we've realized how important it is for us not only to have leaves and branches and leaves on the branches, but it also is important, important that a trunk has roots. And so we are the conduit to the branches and the leaves, but we're also the conduit too. And we get our nourishment from our roots. And, and you and, might say, well, why would you put that number one? Why is that the most important thing a grandparent can do? They're really not in an order, these four things, but they are all really important. And what the data shows is that when children know their ancestors, when they know about their grandparents and their great-grandparents, they know where they came from, they, they know the stories of those people that went before them whose blood runs in their vein. When children know that, they become more resilient, they have a stronger identity, they do better in school, they do better in life. So you as the grandparent need to be the one to tell these stories to your grandchildren of your parents and your grandparents. And, you know, we were kind of startled to learn as we were speaking to a group of Mexican parents not long ago, a couple of weeks ago, and down in uh, Monterey. Um, we started talking about how important these roots are and that our ancestors mean so much and so on and so on. And, and we started telling little stories and we realized, oh, these people are a lot better at this than oh we gosh, are. So oh my they're... goodness! I don't know how. I don't know how many of you've seen Coco, but they are so aware. Aware of, of ancestors. ancestors. The Day of the Dead is their biggest holiday because and, they're celebrating where they came right. from. Right, and I always used to think, oh, those skeletons are so weird. Why did they <laughs> do that? And then we learned why they do that because it is the way it is. That's how they think. Not they don't think of their ancestors as skeletons, but but they do. <laughs> they do honor them and they think about them. They talk about them. They're part of their lives. It's really quite amazing. And they make it part of their children's lives as well. So we're shortening this down because we've only got a little time left, but be the trunk. Now, number two, be the ear. I'm sure a lot of you are way ahead of us on this, but the, the greatest skill a grandparent can have is to be able to really listen. Absolutely. And there are so many different ways to listen now as grandparents. I mean, face-to-face -face if you have them, but in our grandparenting class, more than half have children who are more than 500 miles away. And so there are so many fun things you can do with, grand with grandchildren who are living far away and to feel connected. You can hear them. You can hear them through their writing, through texting, through um, even when we were just in Switzerland and my, our little 11 year old taught us how to get on Snapchat. <laughs> and so I'm getting these little Snapchat messages from her all the time. And it just delights her that I know that I know she's there and that we can talk back and forth. And part of listening involves being able to ask the right questions. 
So we have another questionnaire that's for grandparents to ask things to their grandchildren to find out everything they can about them. Think of it this way. You know, Linda, parents parents often don't have the luxury of listening. I mean, they're they're too busy parenting and directing and guiding and getting people where they need to be and running the family and having the responsibility of parenthood. Grandparents have the luxury of really listening and really asking questions and really intently wanting to know everything they can about these grandkids. And as you point out, that often involves being good at texting, being good at WhatsApp, being good at Snapchat, being good at TikTok even. I hate to say it, but anywhere those kids are, that's where you want to be so you can listen quote unquote, in every possible form to what they're saying. So let me just mention, don't use email. Yeah. They, they, if <laughs> they you send them an email. <laughs> they don't They don't email anymore. It took us a long time to figure out we were sending all these copious compliments. And <laughs> they stuff. have email addresses, but they never look. <laughs> they just don't look at it. So number one, be the trunk. Number two, be the ear. Number three, be the assembler. We just think you are the one in a position as a grandparent to have these reunions, to have these gatherings, to have these Sunday dinners, to pull people together. Why? Because that's how people bond. Now, it's fine to have a Zoom call. It's fine to text them. It's fine to do all these other forms of ear and listening. But it's when we get them together that the real bonds form, especially, Linda, the bonds between cousins. I think the goal of every grandparent should be to foster that bonding process between cousins to where they think of each other more like siblings than they do like friends. They really elevate the importance of really knowing and liking and doing things with cousins. Now, we don't want you to assume that we think all of your families are just hunky-dory and they all love each other because there are so many families that are torn apart as yeah. they as our children grow tough. up. Yeah. Reunions can be really wild. And I remember a friend coming to me and saying, what do you, what do, you do? We're just, we're not interested in each other. We don't see each other very often. I said, have a dinner at a restaurant, but assign everybody a book that's, that's fascinating that you think would engage everybody. And then just talk about it at a restaurant, at a, you know, a, a place that's not somebody's house, but just at a restaurant. And she tried it. It was amazing what happened. But it's the same thing as with grandchildren. I mean, you think, oh, these grandchildren are so different than these grandchildren. How can we get them together? Find a common interest, a common fun thing maybe to do with everybody or divide them up by age so that the younger ones, middle age and older teenagers or whatever, um, are are really engaged with each other. That's how they learn to love each other, spending time with each yep. other. So so now you've got three. You're, you want to be the trunk, you want to be the ear, and you want to be the assembler, the gatherer, the person that pulls everyone together. And finally, the match. <laughs> what in the world does that mean? I'm looking at a picture of a match. Because... Do you think people will hear that and think we're asking the grandparents to be the matchmakers and find out no. who their parent or their grandkids should No, I marry? don't think that entered their no, mind. I don't no. Think so. okay. um, but I'm looking at a picture of a match, but there's a flame from a match that makes such a difference. And we're not talking about a flame, really. We're talking about when your grandchildren want something from you or want to do something that they really want to do and they don't have enough money 
tell them if they will earn an half of the money you will match you will match it so it's so simple a 50 50 match but it makes it makes all the difference between spoiling them giving them too much entitling them and motivating them having them feel like they can reach a goal sooner because you're there to provide the match but only the match to what they've earned themselves uh, we just think one of the biggest problems that grandparents have is spoiling their grandchildren. I mean, we've by experience of people Boy. just saying, are just parents our, tell our us grandparents so are often. just ah oh, this loading, and even grandparents who don't have much money, it's their greatest joy to buy these expensive things and give them to the grandchildren. But the matching thing is so fun. We've had grandchildren who have actually done. PowerPoint presentations on, on a camp that they wanted to go to in the summer and they just didn't have enough money. And could they, could we possibly match? In fact, we have children living right now in Bangkok and they're having a fabulous educational experience, but in order to get into this school, it costs a lot of money. And the parents said, do you think you could help with this? And we said, you know, we can, but what we want is a letter from these kids saying, well, how will this help you broaden and contribute, which is our family motto? How would this help you to broaden and contribute and give back? And we got the cutest letter from a 12-year-old that you've ever read. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it's it was, so darling. He called, it's a grant proposal. Now, grant proposal. In fact, we want to suggest three things we've learned from other grandparents that really seem to work in terms of this matching. I mean, you mentioned the simplest one, which is not one of the three, Linda, but the simplest basic one is, you know, and again, boy, if there's ever one, you have to coordinate with the parents. Don't set up some matching thing with the grandkids and the parents don't know what's going on. Of course. It has to be with the permission and the acceptance and the desire of the parents who are saying, yeah, we'd love to have you help our kids with that on a matching basis. And then it's up to the parents to be sure that they help the kids do the work and earn their half and so on. And so that when the match comes from the grandparents, it really means something. But but grant proposals, you know, to see a 12-year-old or a, even a younger, we've had younger kids write Here's, dear grandfather and Grammy, here's something I'm really interested in doing. I want to go to this camp. My parents can't really afford to send me. I've worked. I've saved half the money. Will you match it? Here's why I want to go. Here's what I think I'll learn from it. Here's what I think I could contribute through it. So they put their minds to work thinking about why this is a worthy endeavor, why it's a worthwhile thing to ask for a match on <clears throat> and then you as the grandparents <clears throat> excuse me you you match it you approve the grant proposal and match it the two other things we've run into so often that are really beautiful is grandparents who are saying on tuition now you know there may be a family where the parents are not able to and and a lot of families more and more i think are coming to conclusion the parents shouldn't just pay for the college for all their kid, all their kids. They should the kids should earn some money and do something and be involved. And then you have other families, like I say, where the parents really can't help very much with tuition. And so, the kids, kids get jobs and learn a whole lot from getting there and paying for their own education. Yeah, there's a lot of that too. Which absolutely. Is so what a blessing if a grandparent's able to say, look. If you can get a scholarship or earn some money or any way you can get together, 
half of your tuition, I would be honored to match the other half. Well, and everybody has different financial situation. I have heard the funnest thing once. One little grandmother said, you know what? I don't have any money. I, I can't, I just don't have money. And that's true for and a lot. She said, yeah. this is what my kids did. They gave me a grant. <laughs> they, oh. <laughs> they all went together and pulled their money because I was dying to go on a mission. It was just oh, a little widow yes. and she wanted to serve a mission for her church. And so she, um, get, and these kids just gathered together and got enough money to get her out there on the mission field. So, you know, there's a lot of ways that this goes. And the third way to match that we've really been impressed with is grandparents who set up a custodial Roth account. A Roth account is a retirement account. You can set them up for young children, and or you can set up an educational fund for children that's tax that has favorable tax consequences. But again, it's a match. If you put in this much, I will match it, and and it, it just in, in so again, it increases the motivation, increases the savings, increases the initiative rather than robbing it if you're giving money without the matching idea. So again, we're just about out of time, Linda, but we challenge all you grandparents to, to use the team formula. Be the trunk, be the ear, be the assembler or the gatherer, and be the match. And if you do, you will be so much happier. This is a happy time of, time of life. This grandparenting is one of the funnest things in the world, but not without problems. But if you have a plan, if you have a path to go on, it makes it so much more interesting and fun. Linda, do you think listeners can tell we enjoy being grandparents? I hope so, because <laughs> it is just so, not every day in every way, but it is so great. So good luck to you and those of you who are patient enough who are who are just their parents and have parents send them to grandparenting 101 because we would love to have them join. Yeah. Go just the website, simple grandparenting 101.com. Go there yourself. If you're a grandparent, send your parents there. If you're a parent and let's make this team effort of three generation families pay off for our children who are the beneficiaries. Right. We have three more sessions and so they can come anytime. Uh, we hope to see some of them there. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time and, on Iris on the Road. And next time we'll get back to our mini-series that we're taking a little break from now on the happiness paradox. Next week we'll get back to that, right, honey? Right. See you then. Bye-bye.